sexual incompatibility is kind of a myth. Um, and I say that because of the blueprint language. Oftentimes you'll have someone that's in a very sexual blueprint and maybe someone in a very energetic and sensual. The energetic and sensual is like, oh my God, they always want sex. They're always all on me. And they just like disconnect and shut down. And the sexual's over here starving, like, oh my God, like, why won't they touch me? Why can't I touch them? Don't they love me? I just, I can't relax. I need this. And so they kind of are like butting heads. And when we start to have a language to describe what's going on with us, now we have possibilities. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I'm someone that doesn't drink alcohol. I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, like right now. Okay, folks, what have I got to tell you? It is the month of May, and that means it is masturbation month yes it is masturbation month i don't know what that means i don't know why we have a masturbation month i don't know if that means that we have to masturbate more or that we should be talking about the stigma of it Um, i'm going to choose the latter and talk about the stigma of it Um, and this is why that i introduced introduced spoke to our guest today stacy isidro but before i get to stacy why talk about masturbation anyway? After all, this is a podcast about alcohol and addiction, right? Well, no. Yeah, no. So, you know, you'll often hear me saying this, like uh, quitting alcohol is easy, right? Quitting alcohol is easy. And uh, telling ourselves that it is difficult, you know, very often that's resistance talking, okay? Quitting alcohol is easy. What is hard is what do you do after you've quit? Because for a lot of us, we use alcohol to numb our feelings. We use alcohol to prevent the natural cycle of emotion reaching totality. We drink alcohol because we don't want to speak to anybody, because we don't know how to speak to anybody, because we are full of shame, because we're full of guilt, and on and on and on and on. So when we don't have alcohol to lean on, what do we do about all those things? That is the most challenging aspect of it, okay? And masturbation, porn, sex, for me, in my addiction, it was all interrelated, all interrelated. The other thing that was interrelated with it was understanding through the work that I've done um, how my inner child pops up in my adult life as a result of, you know, the way that I was brought up and I was raised by my parents who did the best that they could and how that links into addiction but also how that also links into masturbation and sex and pornography and all that kind of thing, right? And what we're talking about here is sex, S-E-X, one of the most natural um, pastimes that you can imagine um, there is, right? Like, (laughs) the reason there are 7.8 billion people on the world um, is because we procreate. That's what we do. Um, And God, Mother Nature, universe, whatever you want to call it, um, made the orgasm one of the m- most self-pleasurable things that you could experience um, for a reason, right? And it gives us a reason to get stuck in and gives us a reason to have babies and to practice of that kind of thing, right? So for me, sex is just as natural as drinking water. But, you know, when I grew up and I had parents who were very liberal about these things and we could talk about it and all that kind of stuff, that, w- that was great. Even in that household where I could literally... Uh, you know, like plop my old boy out and say, ma'am, what is that? And she could go, oh, yeah, that's that's smegma. Boys had that, Lee, you know, like I could do that with my mom. Even with that, there was still a huge amount of shame 
around masturbation, like shame of being found out, doing it in secret, doing it quickly. Um, like the whole thing around it is just so wrong and um, like horrifyingly stigmatized. Even when you're in school, what do people call you if they don't like you, right? They call you a wanker. Like you're a wanker. Like as if like wanking is bad. Okay. And I'll t- I always remember this story. I'll tell you this story. Um, I was in a pub in Bristol. This is when I was drinking with uh, good friends of mine. And I just started talking about masturbating, right? And I was just like, isn't it interesting how um, when we masturbate, we think about like things, like fantasies. And I wonder how many people actually, when they masturbate, fantasize about their wife or their husband, right? Like, I, I imagine the vast majority of people think about someone else and like, isn't that really interesting? <laughs> and I was saying this at dinner with this other couple we was at and my wife at the time. And this woman, she was like, well, <laughs> and she points to her husband. If I ever find out that he masturbates in this house, I'll chop his fucking dick off, right? And he's looking at me as if to say, don't say anything. And I'm looking at them to say, what, you, you don't think that he does that? And I didn't say anything. And afterwards, I said to him, what was that about? And she's like, if she found out that I, I wanked off in the house, she'd fucking leave me, right? Like, that's a seriously different paradigm to the one that I have that says it's natural. Like, it's natural to, to have self-pleasure. It's natural to experience that pleasure. It gets you more in tune with your body, et cetera, et cetera. And here we've got somebody who's like, well, you you are not allowed to do that. It's wrong. It's like, you're like, I will end my relationship if I find you doing it. So it's very, very stigmatized. And it's very, very a hot topic. And I want to talk about it more. I want to be able to reach out to the person who is feeling so much shame that he's even having suicidal thoughts because he, he thinks that to fantasize and to touch himself and, and not to do that in accordance with his thoughts around his wife is like morally wrong. Like I, I, I want to talk to that individual and say, no, no, it doesn't have to be this way. So masturbation month, think about it. Think about how you think about it. All right. And when you're doing it and um, are you stigmatized? Are you feeling ashamed? Like how, how can we get above that? You don't do it because of those reasons. And why? Is there, is there a way that you could try it? Is there a way that you could look into it? Um, is there a way that you could change a paradigm maybe and think differently about it? Are you in a relationship with somebody and you never talk about it? You know, like, is it worth sitting down and going, do you know what? I think it's really worth us carving out some personal private time so we can do this <laughs> rather than trying to lie on the bathroom floor while nobody's looking and doing it as quickly as possible, right? Like, Maybe. And certainly, 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 if you're a woman out there, have a think about what might be going on from the man's perspective. And from the man, have a think about what's going on from the woman's perspective and try and understand and accept the two kind of like uh, genders are very, very different when it comes to these type of things. All right. So anyway, there you are. Um, Stacey Isidro, I got her on the show. She's the founder of Holistic Progressions, and she's been coaching individuals and couples throughout the United States for over a decade. Her passion is helping people experience erotic freedom, full self-acceptance and expression with grace and ease. And she most enjoys seeing the transformations in people's sex lives extrapolate into all areas of their life, creating more pleasure, fulfillment, passion, and peace. Stacy is a master at helping her clients create sexually satisfying life. She combines sexology education, 
breathwork, movement, sounding, Zen philosophy, somatic coaching, uh, ancient tantric arts and shamanism in her shamanism, in her coaching to create a unique transformational experience for her clients. Her personal story of mastering life transitions, recovery and understanding how to live sober and navigate intimacy and connection have given her a unique approach to transforming her clients' lives. She is an expert at transforming suffering, internal conflict, confusion into peace, joy, and peak existence. Stacy is acknowledged as a sex coach by the World Association of Sex Coaches, and she is also certified by Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, as an erotic blueprint coach, helping people to learn the language of arousal and pleasure, okay? If you want to work with Stacy. Uh, you can reach out to her at um, Instagram, sexcoach underscore Stacey Isidro. That's S-T-A-C-I-E-Y-S-I-D-R-O. And her website is holisticprogressions.com. And if you go to any of those, you can take the blueprint quiz. All right. You find out what your erotic blueprint is. Find out what your partner's erotic blueprint is. And then you can make concessions to get a win-win situation in your relationship, which I think is pretty cool. All right, so without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Stacey Isidro. Stacey Isidro, welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. How are you diddling today? How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Did you know, you must know, did you know that it is masturbation month? I do. So this is right on time. This is right. I like... I knew it was Mental Health Awareness Month. I knew that. I didn't know that Mental Health Awareness and Masturbation Month came at the same time. But I found that out yesterday. I saw a post. Somebody was talking about it. So, Well, they are interrelated, so. Yes, they are. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, Sure. Uh, it's going to be one of those podcasts, Stacey, where I, I reveal my deepest, darkest thoughts and desires and everything to the world. Ooh, thank you for your vulnerability. <laughs> masturbation. Where should we start? Okay, so yesterday I masturbated and I felt bad afterwards. And this is a recurring theme. This is a recurring theme going back as far as I can remember. I think from like the first time I probably did it, mm-hmm. there's always an element of what did I do that for? And almost like a regret, like a come down. It wasn't even worth it. So, so whenever I, because I, you know, I'm in the network with a lot of uh, people who work in the sex industry, you know, in terms of like um, therapists and that kind of thing. Um, and I see them talk a lot about masturbation being amazing, beautiful, and wonderful, right? And for me, it's always kind of like a sticky, icky thing that I don't know where it is in my place or what to do with it. So, I don't think I'm the only guy who will have this issue. I hope I'm not. So let's talk about it and see where we go with it. Right. Because sure, I think it will, it will tie into porn addiction for sure. And have a conversation around that and sex addiction maybe as well. So if you've got any questions for me, fire away. Okay. Well, first, um, thank you for your vulnerable share and bringing this, uh, this issue to light because you are not alone. Um, a lot of people have shame and guilt around um, masturbation, self-pleasure, sexuality in general, or even allowing themselves to receive in general. Mm. And uh, masturbation and self-pleasure, it is about allowing ourselves to receive and we're receiving um, to us, from us, 
And masturbation is the foundation for partner sex. So it is actually a appropriate developmental stage in sexuality. And it is also something that continues as we get older throughout our lives. So human beings are sexual beings from conception until death. Mm. And our bodies are literally wired for pleasure. And a lot of us have never heard that. And so I'll just tell you now, you're allowed to experience pleasure and you're not broken. And pleasure is your birthright. Everyone's birthright. Mm. I wonder if there's a link between masturbation and just experiencing joy and pleasure and celebration in general because mm-hmm. it, it, it's not something that comes naturally to me like if somebody says um you got some spare time now what do you want to do i'll probably be like i don't know go to a hotel hide from everyone and work like i'm, I'm not the guy who goes oh, i want to go hiking or i want to play football with my mates or i want to go to a disco <laughs> like yeah i call it overachiever syndrome <laughs> all right Um, yeah, so really a lot of this is, um, you know, hearing the words pleasure and enjoyment, even fulfillment and satisfaction, those words are often related to sex. Even the word intimacy is usually directly related to sex. And if you look up those words in the dictionary, you'll see that there's lots of different ways that we experience pleasure, enjoyment, satisfaction, fulfillment, and even arousal. That word, a lot of people directly associate to sex. But the reality is, you know, pleasure simply means something that brings you joy, something that you're enjoying. Mm. So if you are enjoying your work, then that could be a source of pleasure for you. If you are enjoying your time alone, that's a source of pleasure. Um, The word arousal simply means that you find it interesting or stimulating in some way. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual arousal. It could be an intellectual arousal or an emotional arousal. So it's meaning like it's piquing your interest. Hmm. So I think one of the first things is to really look at those words and see you know, what definition are we giving to them? Because a lot of times the definition is much broader. And when we start to understand that pleasure can simply be taking a bath or playing, you know, a sport with your friends or spending time with family or spending time alone or doing a hobby that's creative, we start to expand our capacity for pleasure and enjoyment, which in turn will expand our capacity for sexual pleasure as well. But when we stay really narrow focused, then we're missing out on all of these other ways that we experience pleasure and enjoyment. So most of the time people go towards sex to experience, you know, pleasure, arousal, fulfillment, enjoyment, satisfaction. And it's like, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. We're only carrying the sexual basket and we're like, um, Hey, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. So what else is there? There's this whole other scope of things that we have the opportunity to immerse ourselves in and starting expanding our capacity for pleasure and enjoyment. Hmm, it's really interesting you say that because I know for a fact that when I'm deep in something creative work-wise and I really enjoy it and it ends and I know I've done a good job, I feel horny. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because that, so orgasmic energy, it's the creative life force energy that flows through us and makes us alive. So you can experience orgasmic energy in something like that, that you're deeply immersed in, you really enjoy. So it doesn't have to be a sexual orgasmic energy. So as you're going through life and you're experiencing enjoyment in all these different areas, that energy is building and circulating through you. And there actually is a correlation between, um, power and um, accomplishment and um, accumulating money and increased sexual desire and sexual arousal, which is kind mm. of interesting. Right, right. Yeah. Another one was when I was young was video games. It sounds really weird. I would play video games and then at the end of it, I would I would feel the need to masturbate. And at the time I thought it was weird and odd. Like I'm, I'm weird and I'm odd because of this. And I can't tell anybody this. Aren't you supposed to like watch Playboy or you porn or something? And, but that's, that's what it was. But now I can see that I was just really enjoying. I was in a state of flow and somehow that tapped into this sexual energy as well as like, you know, whatever energies that I have. Yeah. And essentially what I'm hearing you say is that activity got you out of your head and kind of into your body. You were completely present and in the moment. And in order to experience heightened states of pleasure and arousal, especially within sexuality, we have to be fully embodied. We must become fully present with ourselves and our partners and really get out of our head. That's one of the number one things that blocks people from experiencing pleasure and orgasm is getting stuck in their head, which is also what leads people to drink or use drugs. It's like, oh, I, I want to get away from these feelings or I don't want to think about this anymore. So let me do something to get outside of myself. Mm. You know, so it becomes the seeking outside of yourself rather than coming within yourself. And what you just highlighted is the more that you become embodied and get out of your head, the more you tap into that arousal and orgasmic energy that's flowing through you. It's really, really, really interesting you say that because I'm in the I'm in the middle of a six month coaching program. And one of the early light bulbs that I got was I spent a tremendous amount of time in my head. As a defense mechanism to spend that much time in my head, I've sold a story that I am the most vulnerable, uh, sensitive, not so, I'm the most vulnerable person you'll come across. Like I, I'll talk about anything and I'll, um, tell you how I feel, et cetera. But it's actually just an illusion. It's a form of control that stops me from going into my body because <laughs> for some reason I'm afraid to go into my body, my body, you know, a lot of inner childhood, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I imagine there's a, there's a link there between the amount of time I'm spending in my head and how I'm feeling sexually and how that interacts with masturbation. So in the last couple of years, I talked about this on a previous podcast, not so much lately, and I think it's because I'm getting more in my body, but I went through a spate of time where I was almost anorgasmic. I would reach climax and then I would have no climax. I would ejaculate, but there would be nothing. And I'd be mm -hmm. thinking, what, what, what the hell did I do that for? You just got me thinking that maybe that was because I was just super stressed and so deep into my head and just completely unable to get into my body. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people are so stuck in their head that, that the orgasm or climax is elusive and it never can't even get there. it. It can't even get yet. Yeah. So I, I got yeah. there and it disappeared, but people can't mm -hmm. even get it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely shows up in different ways. So yeah, embodiment is the key. And there's lots of different practices that you could do around breath and sound and movement that help you to become more embodied. But it literally is a practice because Mm. our world is very much wired for us to be in our heads. Mm -hmm. So it's almost out of the normal to be fully embodied. And I appreciate what you said about how um, we'll intellectualize things to avoid the feelings and the body sensations. And it's almost like, um, I call it like being too smart for your own good. Mm -hmm. You want to rationalize and intellectualize everything, but orgasmic energy is not something that you can intellectualize. It's not something you can like cut you open and see, but Mm. it's there and we feel it. And our mind wants to say, what is it? What does it mean? What do I do? And really, really, you can't define something so non-tangible. It's like, oh, words, you know, (laughs) they're just labels. And these words have different meanings that we place to them. So one of the the keys here is removing the label, you know? So a lot of times I would find in the past, I would say, oh, that makes me angry. So my body would respond with angry sensations. And then as time went on, I was, and I started tapping into my body I started realizing, hmm, maybe I'm not angry. Maybe I'm just uncomfortable. Or maybe I'm just like, maybe I just don't like something. Maybe it's not even about being angry. So it's like, sometimes we'll label something in our head and it will evoke a body response. So the, you know, the embodiment piece is let's tune into what's happening in our body first We don't have to label it. We don't have to say what it is, where it came from. It doesn't need a story. It can simply be, oh, I feel tension in my chest right now. And that's all that that is. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need a story. It doesn't need an explanation. Great. Let's go into that tension. Let's do some breathing. Let's do some movements. Let's do Mm -hmm. some sounding and help to disperse that energy and move that energy through you so it doesn't stay stuck. Yeah. I, I wrote a blog post on this yesterday, actually, because I, um, I was in a bit of a funk all day yesterday. And then around four o'clock, I stopped to become a dad. You know, I have a four-year-old here with me in LA. And um, I just, she's 100 miles an hour, my daughter. Like, she does not, dad, 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 dad. And uh, there was a point where, like, he was getting to me, you know? Like, I, I just wanted her to shut up and be quiet. I never said anything. I never intimated but I could feel like I was losing control a little bit. I said, come on, let's go for a walk. And we went for a walk. And um, as she kind of toddled on on her own, I, I had a conversation with myself. I was like, okay, where is this? It was in my gut. And I was like, okay, this is anxiety. And I'm learning from the work of Cara McLaren, who wrote Language from Languages of Emotions, the difference between soft, medium, and intense emotions. So like, she's been teaching me that edgy, feeling edgy is a soft build up to anxiety. So recognizing that you're feeling edgy, a soft emotion, you don't have to get to the intense emotion of anger because you recognize it and you beat it at the past. So like, I'm feeling really edgy. Like, what do I need to focus on? What is my anxiety telling me I need to focus on? And it was like, well, right now I need to focus on my daughter, right? Like, so I was able to just, just ground myself very quickly, just let it go into the ground and then boom, run off after my daughter. And I felt a lot felt a lot better. Now that is a new continued practice for me, which has been going on for the last Mm -hmm. couple of months. Um, And 
whilst I've been doing that, my orgasms have been starting to increase in intensity. Yeah. And I want to point out that you started moving. So you started yeah, so walking. Walk, Let's yes, go for a yeah, walk. Yeah. So the movement is helping to disperse that energy that's going on in your body as well. Mm, right. This is why sometimes I just need to go for a run. Yeah. I like to lift weights. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And emotional release is really important. Um, many people have energy, emotions, traumas stored within their body that have never really been fully processed. So they're always mm. there under the surface and something minor will set you off. And it's like, it's not even about this surface layer. It's really something deeper. Mm -hmm. So getting into the embodiment practices help to remove and release and process those stored um, emotions and energies and traumas within our bodies so that we can come current. And for me, I really enjoy intense physical activity. So yeah, lifting weights, you know, um, running or I do dancing. Um, I do different Tantra practices. So for me, I really need that movement and sound and the breath work to like move this energy through me. And as you're going through that process, again, you don't have to label it. You don't have to say, oh, it came from when I was five years old and XYZ happened and then blah, blah, blah. Like that's cool if you remember that and that comes to you and you can process that. And I'm just saying that that's not even necessary to move those emotions and to mm. process those emotions. Mm. What you really need is the breath, movement, and sound. Right. So if you're listening, Ask yourself the question, are you spending too much time in your head? And do you even know the difference, you know? And how you can tell is a lot of times I'll say, what's going on in your body? And someone will say, well, I think X, Y, Z. Or, oh, well, I feel like this. And they'll tell me a story about something. Instead of just <clears throat> nail nailing an emotion. Right. And then I'm like, okay, great. But where does that live in your body? Mm. Where is it in your body? Is there tightness? Is there openness? Do you feel hot, cold? Do you feel vacant in your body in a certain place? So when someone asks, and I'll ask the listeners, you know, what's going on in your body right now? If you take a deep breath and kind of just do a body scan, how present are you with your body? Because most people will launch into a story about what had happened was. And that has nothing to do, like that's not a sensation in your body. That story could live somewhere in your body. But what we're going for is like said, oh, I feel, you know, some tightness or turmoil in my gut, or I feel expansion in my chest. I feel lightness on my shoulders or tension in my shoulders. Mm. Okay. So following that line of logic in my head, <laughs> if you are masturbating or going to have sex, then it sounds like a good practice to get out of your head and into your body before you do either. Because I'm, I'm thinking of there was a time when I left my first wife and I got into a sexual relationship with my current wife where I suffered so many problems sexually, like just couldn't keep an erection up, couldn't calm all these kind of things. And then it all became about the orgasm. Like it just, everything was about the orgasm. And what I'm learning from speaking to you is I was so in my head while having sex, just like, I've got to get to orgasm without getting limp. I've got to get an orgasm quicker than I have been. Head, 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 head. 
similarly masturbation, like I shouldn't be doing this or I got to do this quickly or blah, 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 blah. Yes. Women listening to this, <clears throat> there, there was a, there was a poor woman, my wife, who is it also with me when I was in my head and which we talked about. So it, it feels like when you, you know, if you're going to have sex with your wife, yes, spontaneity, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if you get yourself a hotel room, Hey, let's, let's just do some practices to get into our body before we get into it. Right. Yeah. So I love where you're going with this. Um, people experience arousal and pleasure in different ways in their body. And sex can be for many different reasons or purposes beyond just procreation or just simply for pleasure. So once we start to kind of see, you know, am I having sex to relax? You know, is this kind of like air and water and this is like a base need of mine? Or is this something, am I moving towards sex right now to really step into deep connection with my partner? You know, so starting to, and it could be different in each time, you know, it doesn't have to always be the same reason. Starting to kind of peel back the layers of what is sex for? Mm. You know, what's my intention for stepping into the space with someone? Okay. And it makes me, I want to bring up the erotic blueprints. Mm -hmm. um, this is like an arousal and um, pleasure typing system. So it's like the five love languages, but it's for sexuality. And there are two blueprints that actually really do need to slow down and come into present and relax first before they're able to step into a sexual space. And then there's some blueprints that actually do really well going directly to a sexual space and then they can relax. So mm. not everybody is necessarily wired the same. So for example, the energetic and sensual blueprints are more about the slowing down. The energetic is about the space between and the longing and the turn on comes from the, the space between that desire building the energy. Mm -hmm. So if you go in too much too soon, there's a disconnect and a shutdown. You know, sensuals are very much about all of the senses and sensuals are notorious. Their shadow is staying stuck in their head and women, um, their elusive, their orgasm will be very elusive, you know, even men, but it, it, that happens to women too. And it's, uh, has to do with, oh, well, the lighting isn't right. This, you know, I don't like this song. Um, the sheets aren't clean or I never finished the laundry or all of these other things that start circulating. So those two blueprints really do need to create almost like a ritual or a practice of getting out of their head, stepping into their body, creating their space for pleasure so that they can experience heightened states of arousal and climax. Now, the sexual blueprint, which is very much like your cultural norm, it's what you see in porn. It's about nudity, genital contact, have the orgasm, be done, goal-focused, which is exactly what you were speaking to. Mm. When we get too focused on the goal, we miss out on all of the pleasure in between, right? So a superpower of a sexual is that, yes, they can step into pleasure immediately. And that shadow side is you're missing out on all this other stuff along the way. And being so goal-focused and goal-oriented can ultimately become an obstacle to your pleasure rather than a pathway to your pleasure. Yeah. 
I remember creating a story once when I was younger saying sex was just about the orgasm and everything else before it was just getting to the orgasm. That was like my mindset around it, which is quite clear that I'm not enjoying the process or the pleasure side of it. The, the other attitude I used to have was, um, and I think this links in with approval and the need to be approved of, I need to make this woman come before I can come. And I need to do it as quickly as possible because otherwise I'm no good in bed or I'm selfish if I then come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, a lot of men get caught up in that and they think, oh, I need to do something to her or him so that I can experience my own like self-worth or satisfaction. And the reality is if you are not in a headspace to experience orgasm, it doesn't matter what your partner does. Hmm. It really doesn't. So I always say me having an orgasm is about me it has nothing to do with you. Okay. Because if I'm not in the space to where I'm open to receiving this pleasure and I'm tapping into this pleasure within me, it doesn't matter. You could move heaven and earth and I'm still going to be in the same place. Yeah. So it's about <clears throat> your partner you know, opening up and allowing themselves to receive. And so again, you could do every trick and technique in the book. And if your partner's not ready or willing to step into that space, then it really doesn't matter. So I always tell people like your arousal and your orgasm is ultimately your responsibility. It's not your partner's. And we often blame our partners <clears throat> for our own inability to experience orgasm. And the fact of the matter is, we don't even know what feels good in our bodies. And if we do, we're certainly not communicating it because we don't want to hurt their feelings, right? And so we're expecting them just to be mind readers and to, to do all of these things. And now both people are frustrated or faking it or feeling unfulfilled at the end of the experience. So there's a deep level of like self-awareness and embodiment that needs to occur. And then now we have to be able to communicate that with our partners and our partners. We have to understand that this is information. This is not a personal attack on you. So today I might be experiencing pleasure in a way that's very, very light and very energetic. And I can feel the energy from my partner and I'm turned on from the space between. And like, this is really juicy to me. And then another day I might be like, you know what? Let's just have sex. Let's do it. I just, you know, let's get to the orgasm. Then I can relax. So mm. where I'm at, it has to do with me. It doesn't have to do with my partner. So that's why having a language to describe and explain where am I at right now? What are my needs and communicating those needs with my partner and receiving my partner's needs without seeing it as a personal attack on me or that I'm, I'm wrong or I'm bad or I'm not enough. It's mm. like, um, this is open communication here. Yeah. I like that. The communication part's really, really good because when you was talking about my, the other person's orgasm is not my problem. The first thing I thought about is, well, what if you are premature ejaculation, right? Because then that that could become her problem because she's like, what the fuck? Like, but you need to talk in order to find a way around that, right? Yeah. And it's not even like, oh, it's not my problem. It's that in essence, it's we're all taking personal responsibility for ourselves. And when we each take personal responsibility, now we have an opportunity to come and support each other. So how can I support you in experiencing pleasure? 
here are my needs. Here are my desires. What are your needs and desires? Okay, great. How can we come together and support each other in this journey? We interrupt this program to bring you a news flash. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, a news flash. You may not know this, but Lee Davy has been sober for over 10 years. He doesn't drink alcohol and he's very freaking good at helping other people do the same. If you want to control your alcohol or get rid of it out of your life altogether, then send Lee Davy an email at 1kdaysober at gmail.com and ask him to arrange a phone call with you and he will get on the blower and tell you how he did it. Over and out. Back to Stacey Isidro. What happens if your needs and desires don't match the needs and desires of your partner? So I think that sexual incompatibility is kind of a myth. And I say that because of the blueprint language. Oftentimes, you'll have someone that's in a very sexual blueprint and maybe someone in a very energetic and sensual. And so um, the energetic and sensual is like, oh my God, they always want sex. They're always all on me. And they just like disconnect and shut down. And the sexuals over here starving, like, oh my God, like, why won't they touch me? Why can't I touch them? Don't they love me? I just, I can't relax. I need this. And so they mm. kind of are like butting heads. And when we start to have a language to describe what's going on with us, now we have possibilities. So it's up for, you know, the energetic and sensual to be like, yes, we will get to the orgasms. We will get to the penetration. And what I need right now is to put on this playlist. I want to take a shower. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe I want to arrange the bed different. And I need some just like really light hovering touch. I want you just to look at me hmm. and let me feel your energy first. Can we do that? And the sexual wants to please their partner. And so once they know, okay, we are getting to orgasms, we are getting to penetration, we are doing these things, it settles their nervous system to be like, oh yeah, sure, I'll play that game with you first. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you have time, right? Especially like I'm thinking about my situation like i living with my mother-in-law where the four we have a four-year-old here you know two parents like it ain't gonna happen you have to you have to kind of deal the cards that you've got dealt right you have to like go to a hotel and then when when i get in a hotel or something i feel so much more relaxed i just feel like me when i'm in the house i feel like a little teenager like uh can we have a quickie can we have a quickie can we have a quickie mm. right which is like it's like this morning, like we were, we were dropped zero from school and we come back in a car and I knew the house was going to be empty. And I was like, Hey, do you fancy a quickie when we get back in the house? And Liza was like, well, not really. I'm not in the mood and I've got to do this, this and this before I get out of the house. Right. Mm -hmm. Straight away. I'm like a little child in my head. <clears throat> Fucking hell. I haven't had sex for ages, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think the question, why do we have sex is a really important question. I was thinking about it when you said it. Mine is to connect. Like I, I feel a connection between sexuality and my attachment style, which is more secure now, but it is it has it if I'm gonna go into pattern, it's gonna be anxious. I'm gonna be anxious. Mm. And I feel that that drives me to want to have sex so I don't feel as anxious. Um and the other reason I have sex, this is gonna sound so bad. I just think that there's something wrong with me and our relationship if we haven't had sex for a long time. Like that old stupid story that, oh my God, if people knew that we haven't had a sex for a month, oh, like honestly, that comes up. It's like, I haven't had sex for ages. We need to have sex. Like you must see that in your work all the time. 
Yeah. And that's absolutely like a very, um, sexual blueprint talk because sex to them is like air and water. And this is like almost a form of stress relief. Yes. Mm -hmm. It can be for connection too, but that's also one of the ways that they experience connection with their partner. It's one of the ways their nervous system is settled. So sometimes, yeah, that sexual blueprint and you can become starving. Is that got a name? What have a name? Does does, does each blueprint have a name? So is that it? Yes. So it's energetic Mm. and sensual and sexual. So I mentioned those. The other two, one is kink, Mm. which is about anything that is taboo to you. So that could literally be like, Ooh, we're not supposed to have sex when there's people in the house. So let's go do let's that. Let's do it. Yeah. Or it could simply be, I always have sex with the lights off. And so turning on the lights might be kind of kinky to you. So a lot of times people hear kink and they think, oh, whips and chains, pain. And um, you can be sensation kinky where you are into those intense sensations, or it could be something more psychological. So um, there's that one. And then there's the shapeshifter, which is a blend of all of the blueprints. And all of the blueprints have superpowers and they also have shadows. So the goal is to take the quiz that I have the link for. Yeah, you did. What is your blueprint? So I'm I'm a kink and my wife is a shapeshifter. Great. So what's her secondary blueprint there? What's underneath shapeshifter for her? I don't know. I don't know. Because that would be good information. I I, I took it a long time ago, Alaska. Yeah. And you can put the link in um, the description of this. Mm, So mm. the idea is to see, okay, how am I wired here? And, you know, how do I experience arousal and pleasure in my body? And starting to create those dynamics even before you're moving into an experience. So if I'm in like, um, like I have a partner that's a very much like a sexual blueprint and I'm a shapeshifter. So for mm. me, I want all of the things. Right. So is what I will do is I will start to build my own arousal and pleasure before I know I'm going to see this person. So maybe I want to put something on. Maybe I want my perfume. Maybe I'm like fantasizing and like, Ooh, he's on the way. He's not here yet. Maybe I'll create a power dynamic in my head. So already I'm starting to build my arousal and pleasure before I even step into the sexual space. And by the time Mm. I get to the sexual space, I've lit up all these blueprints. Right. Right. So that's another way that we can take responsibility for our turn on. And then we can even ask our partners, you know, for what we need within that moment so that we can come together and create an experience. Thinking about the kink and um, saying earlier on that I feel guilty when I masturbate, is there a link there? Is there anything there between kink so, and masturbation? Yeah. A sh- well, a shadow side of kink is shame and guilt because oh, okay. a lot of times people that have certain kinks or even fetishes will be like, Ooh, this is weird. I'm not supposed to like this. This isn't normal. And so they could experience guilt or shame around something that brings them pleasure. Mm, And so that's an opportunity for healing that, you know? Okay. Um, I can, I think it it goes into, yeah, allowing yourself to receive. Okay. So what's coming up for me is I have a receiving issue. I've never, I've never actually um, connected masturbation with receiving. 
Yeah. You're receiving from yourself. Yeah. I've never, I've never ever thought of it like that. And an easy way to start building your tolerance for receiving is to start by making very small requests. So it could simply be that I'm sitting here and I left my drink in the kitchen and someone else is in the kitchen and I make a request. Could you please bring me my drink? Like that Mm -hmm. could be a big deal. Yeah. I can get up and go get it myself. And I want to practice making a request and allowing someone to meet my request. So it could be very simple little things that have nothing to do with sex that will start to build on our capacity to allow ourselves to receive. Mm-hmm. I see a challenge. I feel a challenge coming on to myself. This, this really resonates with me actually is um, I'm, a, I'm always doing things for people. I mean, to look at my job. <laughs> right. You know. And what do you do for yourself? Mm, not a lot. Yeah. So then that, that takes, you know, okay, well, how do I want to care for myself? You know, the inquiry is around how do I experience love and how do I feel valued? Mm. You know, you can even look at the love languages that way. And often Mm. how we show our love, it might be different to others, might be different than how we show love to ourselves. So for me, like I'm a quality time person and I'm an acts of service person, you know? So if I'm spending time with you and I'm doing something for you, then I'm, to me, I'm expressing my love for you. Hmm. Right. And so then I reflect back, okay, well, how much quality time am I spending with myself? You know, how am I, what acts of services am I doing for myself? So, okay. I, I did my meditation. I scheduled time in my um, day to literally not do anything. You mm. know, I went to the gym. It's an act of self-care. I took a bath. It's an act of self-care. So how can I express love to myself even outside of sexuality? Because once we start building our capacity to receive, then it will translate into sexuality yeah, and vice I, versa. Yeah. That quality time is really important. Like I I actually, I feel ashamed and guilty for asking for time on my own because mm-hmm. like from the time we wake up in the morning, me and Liza are flat out working and a four-year-old to look after. So mm-hmm. having time for ourselves is, doesn't really happen. Now we just opened up a massage membership just down the road. So we had our first massage in April. So we have one, like one a month. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. That's nice. Just, just cut loose and do yes. that. Yeah, yeah. It's an act of self-care. And I will say like to have a healthy relationship, what made you guys great in the first place are you and your autonomous self and yes. her and her autonomous self. And you came together and created something amazing. Yeah. So if you each do not maintain your sense of autonomy and sense of selves and get lost in the we, then the we breaks down. And then when you add children to the mix, now it's you, you have another, another box here. So now yeah. you need time for yourself, time for the us and our relationship, and we need family time. Yeah. So it's almost like blocking out times for each of these things to be like, you know, okay, great. I got some time to myself. Did you get time to yourself? Perfect. Now let's schedule time together. And now let's schedule some family time together. 
Mm-hmm. So that it's like each one of those things, those needs can be filled and met and they don't all flood into each other. I'm currently in the middle of a, I think I'm in month two of a six month um, project I'm doing for a coaching program I'm in where I'm getting closer to my daughter and just being more present with her. Um, I think I'm going to start another one where I do the same to myself. Like, you know, I know that I've got work, Zia, Liza, family. Jude, my boy, and then me. I think when you put all those things into the calendar, the one that definitely loses out all the time is me time. All, all the time, you know? Because um, that's the most important thing because if you're not, like you found the other day, if you're not grounded and centered in yourself and your mm. cup isn't full, then you really can't authentically be present with others. You can't authentically be of service to others. Mm. So there's that saying about serving from your saucer, not from your cup. Yeah. So if I'm not grounded and centered, then I'm a wreck with everybody else because mm. now um, they recognize that I'm not present with them. I'm probably going to be more triggered. You know, I'll have more judgments or I'll be dismissive because I haven't spent the time to care for me. Mm. But when I care for me, then when I come into an experience with someone, I'm actually really present with them and they have my undivided attention Mm. and I can receive information from them without it triggering something in me because it's not about me. I'm full within myself. So it's like if um, if we don't take care of ourselves first, it's actually detrimental to everyone else around us. Yeah, so definitely. that's why those acts of self care are so important and so powerful. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm I'm lucky that I have a pretty solid meditation practice and running, so I get those things in. So I'm I'm lucky in that respect. I would just love to bring into my life and just say I'm going away tonight. And I'll be back in the morning and I'll be okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. See you tomorrow. I just like that kind of thing for me disappeared once I got married. And mm-hmm. similarly for, for my wife, you know, like just that mystery. I'm just going to go out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go out. It just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I call it setting aside time to be spontaneous. Mm. So I have a block of time that I'm not scheduling anything. Yeah. And it's scheduled time, but once I get to that time, I can do whatever I want. And that's really important. Yeah, I do. I do think so, especially now we're like with a pandemic. So in, in Los Angeles, I've been stuck here for a year now in a pandemic. So I, I, I think it's been too comfortable for me to say to people in my network, I can't meet you because I, because of the mask and my family's, et cetera. So I think that again, that's a, that's um, an upper limit. And I'm kind of self-sabotaging to stop myself from going out because I feel guilty. Like, who am I to go out and enjoy myself when I've worked all day and my wife is trying to work, but she has to look after my daughter, right? So there's, there's that dynamic going on. And I think that um, that is something that is definitely been at the forefront of my mind in the last two months, like getting closer and closer and spending more and more time with my daughter, which, by the way, is a massive turn on for my wife. Mm-hmm. you know, to see us connect. Yeah. Yeah. And so within you scheduling that time for yourself, it's also giving her that opportunity to schedule the time for herself, mm. you know? So it's yes. speaking into those needs together and being like, I would love to gift you an evening that you can do whatever you need to do. Mm. And then I would also like to gift myself an evening 
to where I can do whatever I want to do. Like and it. so, yeah, it's opening up those conversations to where everyone has the opportunity to, to get their needs met. And this all circles back to communication, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning, we started talking about masturbation, feeling guilty and shame and how, how am I going to get this in? There are some households, I imagine, where couples are okay with it and talk about it. There are some where couples are okay with it, but they never talk about it. There are places where one partner is just thinks it's like this a sin and the other partner is like doing it in secrecy. Like open communication and all of these things is like super important. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about pornography, pornography addiction, kink, and this shame and guilt thing that's this this going on. Sure. I think part of the shame and guilt is um, what is arousing you in the first place outside of video games and work. All right. So I don't watch porn anymore. And the reason being, when I was in that sexual dysfunction I told you about, um, I had some podcast guests on where we talked about sex. I didn't see a therapist or anything, but we were just talking about sex. And I realized well, what the um, person I was interviewing said to me was, you've been with this one body for 20 years and you've now got to get used to this other body, right? And it's different. It's completely different and you're not used to it and you've got to get used to it. And that idea kind of stuck. And I was like, I need to, I need to explore this body. Like I, I, I need to... And this is where I think I just by accident went out of my head into my body and solved my problem. I need to explore this this new woman. And part of the thing that was stopping that happening was porn. Because Mm -hmm. when I was having my sexual dysfunction, I could go to porn and I could get erect and I could come quite quickly. And it would Mm -hmm. almost like satiate my desire, but also prove my manliness that I there's oh okay, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. Like biologically, I can do this, you know. So I stopped watching porn. There was another element of why I stopped watching porn as well. I, I watched a movie and I started to ask myself how many of these people that I'm watching are actually willing participants in what I'm watching. You know, when you look at something like you porn and mm-hmm. you've got a kink personality type, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to explore something that's not vanilla, I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable around it. So, so I, I, I stopped porn pornography. So now I'm a horny little devil, as one um, sex expert told me on a podcast, and I don't watch porn. Now, I want to talk to you about a phenomenon phenomenon that's come up for me recently, that I've actually got a podcast guest, and I'm, I'm going to talk to her in more depth about it, but we'll touch upon it. This is the shadows, right? Social media. So I'm starting to develop the hypothesis. It might not be a hypothesis, but it's my hypothesis. It might be true, it might not. But I have an opinion that social media is becoming a new form of porn. So if you say to yourself, okay, I clearly got porn addiction. I'm watching porn all the time. I don't want to watch porn anymore. And then I'm turning on Instagram and the people in my community, so I'm not seeking these people out, they're in my community, are pole dancing because they want to, they want to express themselves sexually. And I'm looking at that and I don't watch porn anymore. And I find women beautiful. And she's dancing around the thing in a thong and her bums there and everything and legs and high heels and all my fantasies that I would remember from porn and growing up, I get turned on by that. And then I want to masturbate. And then I feel shame and guilt because what goes through my head is how the hell do I explain to my wife that I, that I, I, I wake up and I, and now on, and there's a the thing, if you watch one person on a poll on Instagram, guess what happens? Everybody who's dancing around a poll on Instagram ends up getting on the front of your story feed. Your search is, 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 is everywhere. 
and you're like, what the fuck have I done? I cannot look at this woman anymore. But what if this woman is providing amazing, incredible information that you need and do you develop in your growth? How do you deal with that shit? Because I'm struggling. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a loaded topic. Um, so it's a huge debate around that word addiction and with sex and porn. Um, in psychology land, it's a compulsive behavior disorder. So, and it has to do with impulse control. I don't know. I always kind of shy away from the, oh, I'm addicted to porn. I'm addicted to sex. Um, simply because like, I'm like, yeah, well, you're not going to die if you don't watch it. Like, <laughs> you know, you might experience some body responses and, you know, but there really is like, even just scrolling through Instagram and getting likes, like you're getting dopamine hits in your brain. Mm-hmm. So really is what's happening is you're wiring yourself for pleasure in a certain way. So I think that's where that word addiction, you know, has some relation because now we're wiring ourselves a certain way. And now we need this to get those dopamine hits and to feel um, arousal and pleasure. So really for me, it all boils down to how are you wiring yourself for pleasure? So one is, yeah, it's a process to remove shame and guilt around your turn on. So that's why coaching is great diving into all of that and really removing the guilt and shame around what's coming up for you. Um, And then the second thing is that rewiring. So yeah, if you are always watching porn, always self-pleasuring, watching porn, you go into a real experience and your brain almost isn't recognizing this as a sexual experience because you've been wired for a certain thing. So it's about breaking those patterns that we're wiring ourselves for. Um, even if you, someone always masturbate and then they go into an experience and then they can't experience climax without masturbating. Hmm. So they can have sex all night long, but they still need to finish themselves off. Hmm. So it's like, how, you're, how are you wiring yourself hmm. is really what's going on here. So it's like, okay, if I'm wiring myself only with porn, then of course, something eventually is going to come up in real life that there's going to be a disconnect because I'm wired one way. And so it is about breaking those patterns and reprogramming yourself, which is why the blueprints are cool because you get to explore different ways that you experience arousal and pleasure in your body that we may not have thought of before. The other thing that goes on is that, you know, men are really in a position to where they're the only way they can experience connection and intimacy and vulnerability and our culture is pretty much through sex. You know, men are put in this box that like you don't have feelings, you're not allowed to cry, you have to be strong, you have to be the provider and go in and get the job done and don't feel any kind of way about it. And your sexuality is directly related to your value and worth as a man. Your money and earning ability is directly related to your worth as a man. So that needs to get shattered, first of all, right? And so once we start letting go of all those things and opening up to, yeah, I have feelings, I have body sensations, I'm allowed to experience pleasure because the world is telling you that, hey, this isn't for you, but only in sex. 
So it's no wonder men move towards sex all the time. That's kind of been their safe space. And then now they're being told, oh, nope, now that's that's toxic too. Now you can't have that either. Now that's wrong. So it's like, where is there a space for me to be all of me? Can I just speak into that? Yeah. Because I I said to my wife about this the other day, we were talking to my wife about this, and I and I just said to her, is this simply a case of need to know? Like, you don't need to know this stuff. Like, we have a very, very open relationship, and I need to talk to her about everything. And she's like, Lee, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear how you masturbate, who you masturbate. I don't want to hear that. That's your stuff, right? That helped me. That helped me a lot, actually, right? Um, but what I said to her was, I imagine there are people out in the world who kill themselves because they reach a point where they think that there is something horribly wrong with them because they look at another woman when they're in a relationship with another woman and they can't stop for whatever reason. And they can't talk to anybody about it. And they maybe, you know, maybe it's against their religion as well, whatever, that they get to the verge of depression or even suicidal thoughts or suicide itself. And I said, more people need to talk about this, right? So why I wanted to interject was, there is a lot of shame in this around me. Oh, there has been a lot of shame and guilt for this around me. And then the other day, I just said to myself, fuck this. Just because I look at another woman who is dancing provocatively in her underwear, and I don't know her, and I'm looking at it, and I'm really fucking turned on by it, and I want to go to my bedroom, and then I want to masturbate. That doesn't mean I don't love my wife. It doesn't mean I don't love my wife. It doesn't mean I don't covet my wife. It doesn't mean I don't want to rock the sheets with my wife. It just means I'm fucking human. And the, the, the quicker I can get that and stop worrying about it and stop needing to explain myself, like that is me explaining myself. I want you to know this, guys out there. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And that's the big thing. You're not broken and we're human beings. And again, sexuality is part of being a human being. And so really what we're resisting ultimately will persist. So what I heard you say is I was really resistant to this. I was feeling guilt and shame. I came into a place of acceptance Yeah. And I felt okay. I feel okay. And now that I'm not resisting this anymore, it's no longer an issue. No, there are still, there are still things. That I, <laughs> or it's, it's less not, of an issue. It's less, it's, it's the, the power of the issue is gone away, but because of my curious, rational mind, there are still some things that I want to explore. Like there was a post I read the other day, and this is why I invited um, this lady onto the podcast in June. She wrote a post about this very thing. It was like a picture of her ass with a thong on. And it was like, if you've got a fucking problem looking at my beautiful ass, yeah, kiss it. And then it was a, big list of things. And one of them was uh, people who are expressing themselves in this way are mirrors for you. There's something going on with you. Have a look at yourself. So I want to talk to her to find out what is going on for me. Because yeah, one thing that I tell people is that um, what you're projecting onto me, that's your story. I, I did a YouTube rant about this because someone, I wasn't wearing a bra and they were all worked up about it. And I was like, because you were choosing to sexualize my breasts or my nipples, that's on you. There's a a turn on. Anything could be a turn on. I'm like, okay, boots can be a turn on. So does that mean now nobody's allowed to wear boots? Okay. Well, feet are a turn on. So what now everyone has to cover their feet? Like where does this end? So whatever you're being triggered by is an opportunity to look at yourself. So yeah, I talk about this a lot too, how we're all just mirrored. And if you're triggered, you're welcome. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go down that rabbit hole a little bit more. I actually have a coaching session at two o'clock and that's something that I'm, I'm, someone's coaching me. I'm in a coaching program where we're all coaching each other. So it's great. So this is something that I'm going to explore as well. Is like, I do find it a little bit triggering. And then I also find it a little bit hypocritical because I'm obviously enjoying it. So I want to, I want to go at this investigation from a place of love and understanding. Um, but that's for another podcast. Yeah. Um, Curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I'm, I'm, Really super interested in all this stuff. So it is masturbation month. I'm not going to go and masturbate, actually, because I have, I have things to do. Um, but I really enjoyed talking to you about it. It was really interesting. Where could people learn more about you and the erotic blueprints? So I am at sexcoach underscore Stacy Isidro on Instagram. And my website is Holistic Progressions. And if anyone wants to talk further about the blueprints. You can take the quiz online. I'll give you the link and um, you can send me an email. We can set up a discovery call. Awesome stuff. Stacey, thanks for joining us. Much love and good luck in everything that you do. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening to that. I hope you have a different mindset when it comes to masturbation. I hope you are thinking about your children. I'll be thinking about yourself. I'll be thinking about your partners. Okay. So if you want to learn more about this stuff, if you want to grow in every area of your life, if you want to learn to finally control alcohol, then email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. I am right now um, allowing people to get in touch with me via phone call uh, to do a little bit of coaching, to uh, do a little bit of inquiry about what's going on in your life to see if I can help you, okay? I don't know how long I'm going to be able to run these things and do them for free, so get on there as quick as you can, 1kdaysober at gmail.com. Reach out to me and let's get on a call and start to do this work. Thanks, as always, for listening to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. Strive on! If you want to be somebody that doesn't drink alcohol or recover from any other addiction, improve your relationship with yourself and those that you love, or just want to learn to live a more conscious life, then here is what we can do to help you at 1000 Days Sober. Number one, we have a Strive subscription service, okay? So you pay a monthly fee, you come and join us, you come into our community, you get access to all our Marco Polo groups, you get access to our Kajabi group, you get access to uh, content that you will not see in the public sphere, mainly by yours truly, but by other people in my network are friends as well. What else do you get? You get access to a weekly coaching call with myself. So you can get coaching, a one-on-one coaching with me on that weekly coaching call. And you get money off various different workshops and uh, invites to lots of other free stuff. So that's our subscription service. You could do group coaching programs, okay? Right now we have two group coaching programs both called the Strive Method. The first one is addictions, okay? And they last for six months. The relationship course also lasts for six months. We've got Strive Method for addictions, Strive Method for relationships. There are workshops, okay? Or you can work with me personally one-on-one, okay? You can work with me personally one-on-one. And if you want to get involved in any of that, then just head to www.1000daysober.com 
and you will find everything that's going on there, okay? We have pages there on the website which will direct you in the right place and how to get hold of me, including a workshop space there as well. We're always running workshops, so you can sign up for those as well. Last but not least, if you do love this show and it has changed your life and you want to change the lives of somebody else, tell somebody about it and rate and review it in your podcast provider. I would really appreciate that. If you want to just reach out to me, ask me a question, just email me, 1kdaysober.com. Ah, at gmail.com. Much love, everybody. Bye.